You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve both. And now, let's listen in to this week's sermon. Just turn to the book of Luke, and we'll be in chapter 3. We are continuing our study in the book of Luke, and last Sunday we discussed John the Baptist and his ministry. We discussed the baptism of John, and we began discussing the baptism of Christ. Here in verse 21 and 22, we're going to pick up where we, a little recap of what we talked about last week. So let's look at verse 21. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized, and as he was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And the voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, you bring me great joy. So the question posed is why would Jesus be baptized? Well, Jesus answered that himself in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 15. And Jesus said this, it should be done, and this is after John had told Jesus, I'm not worthy to baptize you, you need to baptize me. But Jesus responded in this way, it should be done if we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. God saw it necessary. And Jesus responds in that the best way possible. This is what God requires. When we ask a lot of questions, why this and why that, I can remember raising my children. I wasn't real good at answering, why do I have to do this, Dad? Because I said so. It was my usual answer. We ask God why a lot of times, and He says, because I told you to. Because I have asked you to do that for your own good. And there are three reasons why I believe Jesus was baptized. We to recap these again from last week. Number one, to identify with us. The sinless one humbled himself to go through baptism. He understands our weaknesses according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. He puts himself in our place. The second reason was to verify that he was the Messiah. And he did this for John's benefit, according to Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 2. Remember, the scripture tells us there that the Spirit of God will rest upon him. And that's what happened when John baptized Christ. The Holy Spirit in the form of a dove appeared. And then thirdly, to prophesy. The event that was to come, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 6, Paul goes through great lengths to talk about how baptism is symbolic of the death, burial, and resurrection. But here's a thought I want to open our discussion with this morning. And that is heaven the heavens were opened at this event. When Christ was baptized by John, heaven opened. God spoke. This is my son who I am well pleased. God spoke and John was witness to this as the Holy Spirit 
appeared in bodily form. Here, here we have the Trinity, the Godhead, present at this scene, at this this happening. Heaven opened. And yet what we will see in chapter 4 as we will enter into chapter 4 is that hell will open in chapter 4. So what we're going to be looking at today specifically is the temptation of Christ in the desert. Now there, there's one thing, we can go very, very deep down this particular rabbit hole on this particular topic, which is the limited authority that Satan has. So there's a lot of, I, I think, a lot of confusion out there. But what Scripture teaches us is that Satan has a limited amount of authority. In other words, God permits him to operate within certain parameters. To, to put it this way, I heard, I didn't hear it because it was a long time ago, Martin Luther, the great reformer, said this, even the devil is God's devil. Even the devil is God's devil, which means God says you cannot go outside of these boundaries right here. So Satan can operate within that. He just can't operate outside of that. And I want to give you just a couple of quick scriptural references. The book of Job, especially in the first two chapters, we understand that Satan came to God and said, let me attack your servant Job. And God permitted it. Now, that's a whole other sermon series for another time. But Job was attacked by Satan, which God permitted within these particular boundaries. You can't kill him. That's what God said. But I want to read you this out of Acts chapter 26. This is Acts 26, 18. It says, To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are being sanctified by faith in me. So there is power that Satan has. There is authority that he has here in this earth. And I want to, last point, this is from 1 John chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. The Apostle John says this. He says, we know that we are the children of God, in that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We also know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. You would turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 13. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at all that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, let this stone become a loaf of bread. But Jesus said to him, No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a movement of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to whomever I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. 
Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you're the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect and guard you. He will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Then the devil had finished tempting Jesus. He left him until the next opportunity came. So what this is doing, again, Luke, the physician who is the author of this gospel, what he's doing is he is what we call in English class foreshadowing. He's foreshadowing here. We're going to get back to the temptation itself, but I want to make a, a point here about verse 13. It says, when the, now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Back in Texas, we have a saying, actually it's more of a Southern thing. When you got whooped, Satan got whooped. Here. I think that's safe to say in the church. He got whooped. So what he did was he went and he was kind of licking his wounds metaphorically speaking, what he's doing, what Luke is doing is he is foreshadowing here because Satan was defeated here at this temptation out in the desert with these three temptations, but he went away, but he is not going to stay away. Because as we continue to go through the gospel of Luke, we're going to see, I guess the best word to describe it is a flurry of demonic activity, things coming from the power of Satan, trying to stop Jesus in his ministry. In fact, the Pharisees are going to say, hey, Jesus, you prophet from, from Galilee, your power comes from Satan himself. They accuse him of that in Luke chapter 11. And Jesus says, uh, no, it's not. So what we're going to see as we continue to go through uh, and unveil God's plan for salvation in the gospel of Luke, we're going to see demonic activity coming back up against Jesus pretty much at every turn, not just with him directly, but with his 12 disciples. They're going to be squabbling and fighting amongst themselves, and that is coming from, really at its root, is coming from darkness and Satan. As we read chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, we see the picture of Satan himself, not one of his emissaries. He came himself to tempt Jesus. He knew who he was. Satan had been in heaven, knew who the word was. When Satan was cast out, according to Ezekiel, he was a beautiful angel. He was one whose splendor was above all. And yet his sin of pride cost him. It cost him eternity to be with the fathers. And he cast God cast him out. And here in chapter 4, hell opens. Satan comes to try to entice Jesus. He knew him well. Yet this man, Jesus, who was also God, was a different foe for Satan. He wasn't dealing just with the spiritual. He was trying to see how much of a man Jesus 
actually was. And so he waited until Jesus got hungry. He tempted him when Jesus had a need. And that need first was hunger. And there are four stages of temptation I want to share with you. The first being the bait. Satan throws that bait out there. That's the temptation, the bait. It has to be something that actually tempts us, right? And some things don't tempt me, they may tempt you. We may share some of the same temptations, but yet Satan knows, so he throws that bait out there. And then there's the hook. You know, the attractiveness, what appeals to us. If he can just get us to stop and look at the bait and then be hooked by it, then he's got us. The struggle begins. The struggle is stage three. When we struggle between right and wrong, and then there's going to come our response. Do we succumb or not? See, Jesus took the full brunt of Satan's temptations. Tempted him with food. He, he, tempt, he tempted him with the world. And yet Jesus took, took it all and he withstood it all. Satan tempted him with power. That every time he was tempted, Jesus said, it is written. He responded with the word of God. He rejected the temptation with God's word. And Satan knows God's word. He knows it well. And he'll use it and twist it in our minds to cause us to fall away from the truth. You know, in 1 Peter 5 verse 7, the scripture this says that it's, Satan goes around like a roaring lion seeking to devour. That word devour, it comes to my mind as meaning swallow us up whole. And yet, 2 Corinthians 11 verse 14 tells us that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. He hides his real identity until he has us. So what we see from the temptation of Jesus is that he very much was tempted, but he withstood the full force and full brunt of Satan's tempting. And that's why he was gone. So what does temptation look in each and every one of our lives? I know that we're coming off the holidays. A lot of us put on holiday weight. There's second helpings of meatballs and little weenies and cakes and Reese's chocolates and all of that kind of stuff. A lot of us, when we walk through or walk past the kitchen, it's like, oh, just a little bit, just a little. That's what we call grazing. When people, you, you don't sit down with a full plate of food and just go and kind of grab little bits here and there. A lot of us are like that. It's like, well, it's the holidays. We justify things in our minds. But when it comes to spiritual matters, specifically when it comes to sin, each and every one of us struggle with sin daily. In fact, I heard a uh, quote one time from Charles Spurgeon. It said that he said he used to wait until the end of the day, end of the workday, and then ask God for forgiveness for all the sins that he committed, but he couldn't remember them all. So he started doing it at lunchtime. Guess what? He couldn't remember them all. 
So he started doing it every hour. Guess what? He couldn't remember them all. That point is not to get you to think of, oh, how many times did I send? Oh, I sent here, but didn't send here. That's when you start getting into the nitty nitpickiness. Just made that up. Uh, we don't want to do that. Instead, we want to be focused on not what our sins are against the Lord, but to magnify his grace. So Charles Spurgeon lost count of how many times that he did it. The point of this story, this account, is that Jesus withstood that temptation, not because he couldn't uh, sympathize with what we would do. When we get hungry, we eat. That's just what we do. But Jesus said, no, no, here's my response to that, and that is the word of God. So we struggle each and every day with sin, every single one of us. Now, I hope everybody brought their steel-toed boots to church this morning. If you don't like what I'm about to say, come find Eric afterwards. Like how I'm blaming you, throwing you under the bus for this one. So what does temptation look like today? This goes for everyone in this room. If I had a little mirror, I would be saying it to that. And I'm saying it to the people here online. We are sometimes tempted to be satisfied to let our faith and our local church not be of great significance in our life. Ouch. Sometimes we like to let it ride. For us as believers, when things are going good, it's like, oh, we can kind of take our foot off the gas, right? We can just kind of coast a little bit. I've been a good Christian most of 2020, and now 2021 is here. And it's like, okay, yeah, I can kind of let it ride. But what that is talking about is we are letting that faith ride. We are not being aggressive in our spiritual growth. So what we need to be doing is we need to continue to dig deeper as Christians. We need to get involved. We need to reach out to people in the church. We need to form discipleship groups amongst other people in this church, as well as in our neighborhoods, in our schools, workplaces, all of that. Because this is not about the growth of Freedom Fellowship. This is about the growth of the kingdom of God. Let's not get lax on this issue. We are tempted to not work as hard on keeping our relationships outside of our immediate family strong and healthy, especially during this pandemic. This pandemic has been unlike anything we have ever seen. Unless anybody here was born in you know, the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic, we have never seen anything like this. It has really severed a lot of relationships, not on purpose. That's just the way that it is. When people are isolated, people lose contact with one another. And I'm encouraging every person who is hearing my voice if there is someone in your life that you used to be in contact with prior to the start of this pandemic, pick up the phone. 
pull out your phone, send them a text message, send them an email, send them a letter in the mail. Just let them know that you're thinking about them. Try to bridge that gap as Christians, not because some guy at Freedom Fellowship told you to do that, but really when we think about our relationships outside of our homes, a lot of those have kind of taken a hit over the last uh, 10 months or so. And the last point I want to make about this is at times we are tempted to work less hard on the relationships inside the home. Sometimes we take those for granted. That especially during the quarantine time, we're around each other a lot. There's some giggles over here, okay? That's a blessing, right? Certainly. But there were squabbles, there were fights, especially amongst little children and, you know, get out of my face, you know, that, that sort of thing. Amongst brothers and sisters, that just kind of happens. When you're around people like that for so long, it, you know, we tend to grow on each other's nerves. But we are, back to the, the point here, we are tempted. What does temptation look like today? We're tempted to not work on those relationships inside our home. And lastly, I want to talk about this. In Hebrews chapter 4, we've, we've referenced that. Coach has, has referenced it a few times. Hebrews 4.15, I want to read this to you. Because you may be thinking, okay, well, he's Jesus. He doesn't understand what I'm going through. Okay. That's a fair, fair question. But the book of Hebrews says this, for we do not have a high priest talking about our Lord Jesus in his humanity here on this earth. For we have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So for us, when we set our expectations, if I wake up tomorrow and say, okay, no sin for me today, I am not going to sin one single time, within five minutes, that's out the door. Why? Because I'm not Jesus. He was perfect. The rest of us are imperfect. So when we look at Hebrews, when we understand what this says, you may be thinking, well, Jesus doesn't know what I'm struggling with. This thing has a hold on my life. I cannot get past it. There's no way that Jesus can sympathize with me. Yet, the Word of God tells us right here that He can sympathize with us. Or He sympathizes with us. So you may think that your problem is unique. The Word of God begs to differ. It says that He sympathizes. He understands our weakness. Yet, that magnifies and amplifies His grace towards us. Temptations are things that appeal to us immediately. Most, in most cases, it's the right now. If we, we not enticed with something necessary that's long term, it's the right now, but it's the, it's the little things that turn the big things, right? When we're enticed by the small things, it's like commercials on television. The things on television that are in certain products are out there to entice you in certain times of the day. Years ago, I taught a sociology class in, in the 
we studied commercials. And at certain times of the day, certain commercials are on to appeal to a certain group of people. Okay? So late at night, you're going to get fast food on there. Okay? Five o'clock news, you're going to get products for senior citizens. Prime time, it's going to be food and exercise equipment. But right now, what, what we see are the advertisements for exercise equipment. So people are run out there and spend thousands of dollars on a piece of equipment they're going to use about five times and they'll put it up. And when they advertise alcohol, they don't go to the slums where the homeless are living and show you a picture of a man who's an alcoholic. They'll show you people who are having a great time. That's how Satan works. We're enticed with the things that appeal to us and think that'll make us happy right now. But yet God is trying to peel back the layers of the facade that Satan puts out there. And so here's the reality. Fear is a tool of Satan. Doubt is a tool of Satan. We're fearful of what's going on in our society, what's going on with the pandemic. And it is dangerous. And we have many, even in our church body, have been affected by it. But yet that fear of the virus can't consume us to the point that that's all that we're concerned about and we don't get concerned with God. We're not concerned being His servant and being who He wants us to be because we're not promised anything in this life except it will end. We want to be careful, certainly, but we can't crawl under a rock and hide because that's what the devil wants us to do. We need to be about serving our Lord in the way that we can. There are three takeaways that we get from the temptation of Christ. First, he relied on God, his Father. He had that relationship with his Father that nothing was going to disrupt. Number two, he relied on God's Word. He used it. He lived it. He was the Word. And then thirdly, he knew the Holy Spirit was with him and would be there to strengthen him and always would be there. He would never be alone. In our times that we feel the most lonely, we're being deceived because we are not alone if we are a child of God. His Holy Spirit lives with us. Fear is a temptation to fall under. Doubt is a temptation. We need one another in the body. That's the way God designed His church. We need our Father. Our Father is bigger than any pandemic. He's bigger than anything else that can happen in this life. And I, and I reference back to Fox years ago. I remember Fox. Those of you who have been here a while, he was suffering with cancer. One of the last things he said to me while he was in the hospital was, I'm going to be healed. He may be on the other side. And that sticks with me because we will come out of this whole if we trust in our So like Coach is saying, we're going to end with this. He referenced 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. He says, Satan is going around like a lion, 
seeking whom he may devour. And if you guys like watching the National Geographic channels where lions on the Serengeti and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, if you watch what they do is they try to separate one from the herd, right? And then they go after that one. They team up, that sort of thing. That's not exactly how Satan works. I don't want you to say, well, he, you know, circled around me, you know, that sort of thing. But the, the premise is the same. When you are apart from the body, not necessarily this body, but the body of Christ, when you are separate, you get into those thoughts. I know because I've had them before. As a Christian, you think, well, no one really cares about me. Exactly, exactly what you just talked about. That you get isolated and you start to kind of have, you know, different thoughts and, you know, that sort of thing. When you are a part of the body, an active part of the body, those times are fewer and fewer and far between because you are part of the local church body. You may be thinking, well, you know, I'm just kind of out there doing my thing. I'm just, I'm trying to get myself right with God. That is awesome. That is really, really good. We should be doing that. But get plugged into a church. Doesn't necessarily have to be Freedom Fellowship. Get plugged into a church. Use what the Lord has gifted you with, which every single one of us have giftings from the Lord, talents that we can use to help the local church body put those to work. Doesn't have to be here. Could be down the street. Could be across town. Get in with a body of Christ. Use that because we, we think, okay, well, you know, I've, I've got these certain gifts. I, I can never get up on stage and, and talk or, you know, something like that. That's great. There's other ways that you can serve. But the point of this is bringing it back to temptation. Temptation will come to each and every one of us. Each and every day. That's called life. Life is going to happen. Sometimes things are good. Sometimes they are not. Our job as Christians is to have faith in God. To say, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. I don't see where we're going on this journey, but I trust you. I know that my judgment is flawed, but yours is not. So what that takes, and this is what, what coach and, and other coach, Nate, talked about on Wednesday night, is that act of submission. We are selfish by nature. By nature, we are like that. It's hard for us to say, I surrender, Lord, completely. Because we'll surrender in just about every area except those couple that we just kind of want to hang on to. I'm here to encourage you to surrender completely to our Lord in each in every way. So our job as Christians is to have faith and to trust in Him. When those temptations come, you can pick up the phone and call someone who understands that temptation will come. They will pray with you. They will talk with you, all of that, not in a judgmental way, but yes, let me help you, my brother or sister in Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. 
that we have been able to spend in your word. And Father, what a great opportunity for us the first Sunday in January to come together and to worship you in spirit and in truth and to begin good spiritual habits. Father, we want to continue in these habits. We don't want it to be a New Year's resolution, but Father, we want to make this an everyday thing to challenge ourselves to get into your word and to continue to grow your kingdom. And so, Lord, just as as believers in this body, Father, we surrender ourselves to you. Lord, use us. We present ourselves to you. Father, we just ask that you cleanse us from this world and that we keep our eyes on you and keep our spiritual thoughts focused solely on you and on your word and through the help Holy Spirit. So Lord, we just say thank you for this. We love you with all of our hearts. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.